Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. So let's get right into the Word, knowing that God will speak into our lives today. Amen. So I look forward to that. Anyway, we studied the name of Jesus. We've been studying other things about the authority of the believer. Number one, and this is one of the most important things is this, is the devil's defeated. I said the devil's defeated. Uh, Jesus is Lord. You know, every time the body of Christ gets off, especially on the subject of spiritual warfare, they elevate the devil and they humble the body of Christ. Like the devil's some great, powerful foe that needs to be defeated. He's already defeated. I'm telling you, he's defeated in your body. He's defeated in your finances. He's defeated in your mind. He's defeated in your marriage. He's defeated over your children. He, listen, I guarantee you, if you will get into the word of God and study these revelations we've been teaching, you'll see that you're more than a conqueror because he is the conqueror. Let me try that again. You're more than a conqueror because he is the conqueror. Now, today I want to, I just, I felt like we needed to go and look because you can't really teach on the authority of the believer without dipping into some redemptive teaching. Everybody say redemptive. You say, now what is redemptive teaching? That's teaching on what God has done for us in Christ. I was taught this in Bible school and I've maintained this for 33 years of ministry. There are three things we need to know, actually four things, three things that are tied to one another. We need to know who we are, what we have, and what we can do in Christ. Amen. Who we are, but say who we are. Well, we're new creatures in Christ. Amen. You say, and what we have, what do we have? We have all things that pertain unto life and godliness. That through the precious promises of God, we can be partakers of the divine nature. Amen. Who we have, uh, who we are, what we have, and what we can do. What can you do? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Now, a lot of times when you teach on these things, but you don't go back to the beginning and look at the why then it kind of gets lost in the shovel. Why, pastor? Why do we have to exercise authority on the earth? Why why did Jesus have to come and die on the cross? Why did did he have to take our sin? Why did he have to take our sickness? Why did he have to take our addictions? Why did he take everything that was wrong with us? Why did he raise from the dead? Why is he seated at the right hand of the Father? Why has that authority been given to us? Amen. Amen. You know, in the Gospels, it was delegated. We have it by inheritance. Remember, we read last week at the end of the service. uh, We are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. But now, now Genesis chapter 1, let's just kind of dig around here a little bit. How many for that? We got a few minutes we can do that with. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, you say, now, now it looks like that nothing exists, but that's not what this scripture says. The earth was there, but it was void and without form. And darkness was upon the face of the earth. Now, whatever preexisted before our creation was destroyed. Amen. Amen. Now, a lot I've heard old preachers say, for God took nothing and made something with it. No, he took his word and made something with it. Everything we have and experience is made out of his word. Now, this void and this darkness, if you're a student of the word of God, you know that is a result of something that happened in the spirit realm. That is a result of something that happened in heaven. In heaven, there was an insurrection, a rebellion. That rebellion was begun by Lucifer, the, 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 we could call the praise and worship leader of heaven. 
it was, it was, it was spread throughout heaven, and Lucifer was kicked out with a third of the angels. There's a place prepared for him in the, in, the, in, the, in the pit of the earth in which he will eventually end up there and God never intended for any human being to go there. That was reserved for that one third of the, of the, of the angel angelic force and Satan himself, amen? amen? Now, the thing about it was when he was cast down, he was cast down to the earth. Everybody say down to the earth. So he went from up, everybody say up, to down. So he was cast down. Now, when he hit the earth, I don't know what existed on the earth at the time. I don't know. But even scientists tell us that at one point in time, some cataclysmic event took place. Some say it, it, it threw the earth into an ice age. Some say that all these volcanoes begin to blow up and, and cover the earth with this thick cloud and, and there was darkness and there was no light and all life died. It kind of sounds like the devil, doesn't it? He comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy. All of that took place. And then one day in the, in the sovereignty of God, God looked down and he has a father's heart and he wanted children and he wanted a place for his children to live. And he wanted a place where his children could worship him. And he wanted a place where he could supply their needs. And he wanted a place where they could bless them. And he wanted a place where he could begin to see them reproduce and produce more children. Amen. The heart of any father should be for a family. Amen. And that's the heart of our father God. So he begins, notice what it says in verse three. And God said, everybody say, God said, let there be light. The first thing he did was cut the lights on. Yeah. <laughs> Satan couldn't even keep the lights on. Couldn't even pay the light bill, amen. So the first thing God did, he said, let there be light. And what happened? The lights came on. Now you can go down through the scriptures. We're, gonna, we're not gonna study every verse. But in verse six, and God said, let there be a firmament. And God nine, in verse nine, God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together. In verse 11, let the earth bring forth grass. In verse 14, and God said, uh, let there be lights in the firmament and in the heavens. Uh, let's see. And then in verse uh, 20, God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly. Uh, verse 24, God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature. So we see the creation of the world that we know right now. Amen. Now let me just say that, that took place approximately 6,000 years ago. You say, do you mean to tell me nothing existed till, uh, up until then? No, that's not what I'm saying. I believe there are all kinds of ages. All kinds. I mean, even, even our scientists have proved that there's, there's, there's millions of years of earth history, but this dispensation of God, the heavenly father, dealing with humanity began with creation 6, 000, approximately 6,000 years ago. Can I get an Amen. And God does what? He comes down like he always does and puts things in order. He separated the continents. He, he created the earth, oceans and put them in their place. He put all the stars and the, and the moon and the sun, put all that in the sky correctly. Did you know we're not the geographical center of the universe, but we are the spiritual center of the universe. Amen. Now, all of that took place until we get down to verse 26. And God said, now notice this in verse 26. And God said, let us. Everybody say, let us. Now, that, that's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, notice this. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, let me read this in the Amplified. Listen to this. And God said, let us. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Make mankind in our image and after our likeness. Let them have complete authority. Do you see that? Let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the tame beast, over all the earth, and over everything that creeps upon the earth. It is the will of God that the human family on earth walk in dominion and authority over all the earth. Amen. 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 You say, well, now, now, now what relevance does that, have to, does that have to us today? Well, like we're going to teach here in a few minutes, we lost it. That dominion and that authority was compromised. That dominion and that authority by the man. Everybody say the man. Now, first of all, let's understand something about man. From Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, actually verse 3, actually, yeah, actually chapter 1, uh, 2, 3, all the way, chapter 4, 5, 6, 10, 11, 12, 14, 15, 16, all the way to verse 26. If we only had that reference right there to understand God, what would we determine about Him? Anybody know? He is a being that speaks things into existence. Now let me try that again. God is a being that speaks things into existence. He is, now listen to this very closely. He is a creator. Let me say it again. Some of you really need to hear this. He is a creator. And you are made in his likeness and image. Which makes you a now see, people like, people like, oh, brother, you're getting on some thin ice there now. God is God, and we're just little worms in the dirt. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're made in the likeness and in the image of our heavenly Father. And as God is a creator with his words, we are creators with our words. And because of that, whether amen or oh me, the sum total of your life is everything that you have created. Say, my life is terrible. My life's in the garbage. My life is, I tell you, I don't know what to do. Change your words. Change your heart. Change your words. You need to create something new, something fresh, something blessed. Quit living like a victim. Let me say that again. Quit. Anybody can live like a victim. It takes a man or a woman of God to rise up with the power of God and restore themselves and begin to speak words of life and power. Let us. Everybody say, let us. Now, now, notice verse, go down to verse uh, 28. God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful, multiply. Now, notice this word. This is an unusual word. Replenish. Everybody say, replenish. Well, the earth had to have been plenished at one time in order for it to be replenished. So God says, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now, God put man in control of the earth. 
Now, there's so much controversy, and, I, and many times when I teach on redemption, especially when I do it in a Bible school setting, setting, half the Bible school students run to the pastor of the church or the director of the Bible school and say, I don't like what that guy preached. Amen? Because we think God knows everything and God does everything. Now, you look at me the same way some of them Bible school students is. There is a potential in God to know everything. But he chooses what he wants to know. Let me help some of y'all. How many born again in here? How many know Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Come on, raise your hand. Did you know he doesn't know who you used to be before you got born again? Did you know he's taken? He said, now come on, pastor. He really knows. No, he doesn't. The Bible says he has removed it from you as far as the east is from the west, which is a geographical phenomenon because you can go north till you come over the top of the planet and begin to go south and you come under the bottom of the planet and you begin to go north again and you go over the top of the planet. And go, but you can't go east till you start going west. It is an infinite measurement. Your sins have been removed from you and the Bible says God has put them in the sea of forgetfulness. He didn't know you were a drug addict. He didn't know you were an alcoholic. He didn't know you mean and mad and present. He didn't know you like that. He only knows you as a new creature in Christ. Amen. Amen. So when God created the earth, he gave it to man. Let me try that again. He gave it to man. It is man's earth. These are your fish. These are your fowl of the air. These are your create. These are your cattle. These are your camels. These are your sheep. These are, these are your birds. The the creeping things over all the earth. That's spiritual, amen. Mental, soulish, and physical. You're my man. You're my man. You're my man. This is your earth. I've made it for you. I'm gonna be God of heaven with a big G, and you're gonna be God of earth with a little G. See, a lot of people, they, they, a lot of people, oh, I'll tell you, you're getting into some heresy now. No, I'm telling you, we're made in his likeness and image. We will never attain to deity. We will never be deity. We will always remain in the position of humanity. But thank God, according to the word of God, we can be partakers of the divine nature of our heavenly father. Mm-mm-mm. Then it talks about uh, chapter 2, how, he, how he, uh, he created man, then he formed man. Everybody say created. Then he formed him. He gave him an earth suit. He reached down into the dirt and he fashioned this body. Isn't that amazing? Out of the dirt, your heart was made. Out of the dirt, your liver was created. Out of the dirt, he made your bones and your skin. That's, that's why you shouldn't say, well, I need a new heart. The Holy Ghost is smart enough to make one by the word of God. Well, I need a new liver. The Holy Ghost is smart enough to make one if you can believe it for him. Amen. Believe him for it. Amen. So he takes and he forms, he forms man and he, that's the physical body. And then he, just like a, a kid would blow up a balloon, he gets over at his nostrils and he, he breathes and that man just blows up and becomes a living soul. So all of a sudden we have a spirit being who lives in a body who possesses a soul, mind and emotions and will. We have man. Amen. Amen. And then God makes a beautiful garden. Can you imagine the kind of garden God could plant? Could you imagine the kind of garden God created? Beautiful garden. All this beautiful garden. All these trees, all these plants, all these beautiful animals. Everything's at peace. Everything's pristine. There's not a thorn. 
There's no, there's no uh, uh, animals, you know, lions aren't eating rabbits and, and, you know, there's not mosquitoes stinging everybody and, and scorpions biting everybody and, and you know, there's none of that. There's peace. It's pristine. There's harmony. There's unity. The garden is beautiful. It's a paradise. I've been in a few places that, oh man, they're pretty close to heaven, but probably not really. I've been in a couple of areas. You know, when you travel a lot, there's some airports when you get to, you're so glad. You're so thankful to get on that plane. You're counting the minutes for when they, for when they board you, you know. There's other airports I've sat in and looked at Lee and said, why are we leaving? Amen. But the Garden of Eden was more beautiful than that. And he set his man in there. And you know what the man began to do? The man began to obey what God said. God said, go ahead and subdue it. So he started off by naming the animals. He began to give names to all of God. Now that's somebody of great intelligence. An elephant passed by. He said, that's an elephant. God marked it down. That's an elephant. Amen. An ostrich came walking by. He said, that's an ostrich. He marked it down. That's an ostrich. A duck flew over. He said, that's a duck. Amen. A rabbit hopped by. He said, that's a rabbit. Adam named the animals. And while he was working, got any single men? This is a good way to get married. While he was obeying God and working for God and doing what God told him to do, God saw. People say, I'm just so lonely. But does God see it? God saw he was lonely. And so God caused a, a, a deep sleep to fall upon him, and he went and right out of his side, right next, not, not out of his foot. And all the women said, Amen. for man to stand on top of her, but out of his side, right next to his heart. Amen. He took a rib and he created woman. Man with the womb. The woe man. The womb man. I mean, this is creation. Everybody say creation. This is what it's all about. And then he gave them a word. Everybody say a word. Now look, look in verse 17 of, verse, of chapter 2. It says, but of the tree, well, go back to verse 16. It says, and the Lord God commanded the man. Everybody say commanded. Amen. Now notice the word commanded the man. He commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Everybody say die. die. Now I heard a guy talking about this the other day. He said that he preached as a denominational preacher for years. And he said, I had no understanding. He said, I would read this scripture and I would say to the Lord, Lord, you said to Adam that the day he ate the fruit, he would die. And he ate the fruit that day and he didn't die. Well, this, this particular minister had no revelation of the spirit realm. Now, let me just say this. This might help some of you. When Adam and the woman were on the earth, before the fall, in the pristine environment of the Garden of Eden, they were clothed the same way all of, all of creation is clothed. Have you ever noticed how creation is clothed? Uh, a bird is clothed how? From the inside out. A fish is clothed from the inside out. Uh, a little fuzzy bunny is clothed from the inside out. Everything in God's creation, including mankind, was clothed from the inside out. So mankind was clothed with what? 
He was clothed with the glory. He was clothed with the righteousness. He was clothed with the essence of his heavenly father. He wasn't just walking around nude like at a nudist camp and didn't know it. Can I say that in church on Sunday morning? Well, too late now, I've already said it. Amen? No, he was clothed with God's glory. He was a spirit being that lived in a body and possessed the soul. He was in constant communication and union with God to the point that even God would come down on the earth every day and fellowship with his man. Hang around with his man. Pal around with his man. The Father and His creation. The Father and His Son. How, how that must have thrilled the heart of God. How that must have literally just caused God to be ecstatic. My creation, my earth, my, my oceans, uh, my animals. Oh, they're so beautiful. My beautiful sky, my beautiful moon, my sun, and my child. My creation, my man. And He'd come down in fellowship, in righteousness, in holiness. And then it became not just the man. It became the man and the woman together. Now, I don't know whether it went on for 30 minutes or 3 million years. I don't know. But for a period of time, they lived in that environment, but they had to continually be reminded of or know about that command. Of all the trees in the garden, you can eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I command you, don't eat that. Now, now this poses the question, why? Why did God put the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden? If he'd have left it out, we'd be a whole lot better off today. Because God did not create man to be sick. God create, did not create man to be poor. God did not create man to be depressed. God did not create man to die. Sometimes I mention that at funerals and people look at me like I'm crazy. But in reality, God did not create the human being to die for the spirit to be separated from the body. But the reason he put the tree in is because man had to be afforded a choice. Obviously, the angels were afforded a choice. You say, why? A third of them chose to leave with their, with their, with their wicked leader, Satan. A third of them chose to do it. So obviously there's something in God that he must know that whatever he creates has to have the power of choice. So every day when they got up, they had to look around at all the trees and one tree over here, they, 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 you know, I wouldn't even look at it. Now let me ask you a question. Where do you think they lived in the garden? Anybody know? They probably live right next to that tree where they shouldn't have lived. Because eventually, something got into the garden. You say, what do you mean? Well, we're studying the authority of the believer, and I've got good news for you. God's given you something to keep the snake out of your garden. He wants you to do it. You say, now wait a second. How'd he get into that garden? Did, now, now let me, just, just for a second, go right back to that one scripture. Thank you for reminding me that, Lord. Verse, verse uh, 26 again, God said, Let us make man in our likeness and our image. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the, all the cattle, over all the earth, and, now notice this, over every creeping thing. What's God saying? Snake's coming. Snake's coming. 
He would not let them innocently go into that situation without telling them, you got to understand, guys, I've created you. I've put you on this earth. I've given you this beautiful garden. I've came in. I've put the earth back in order. I've given it unity. I've given it, given it function. I've given it form. I've given it everything it needs. Now you have this beautiful garden. You have all these trees. Not only that, among all these trees, you got the tree of life. Eat off that tree of life. Eat off that tree of life. Eat off that tree. Eat off. But now over here in the corner, because I created you with a will. It is the knowledge of the, uh, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch it. Because the day you touch it, you shall surely die. Now we know by the study of the scripture that they did not physically fall over dead. But what happened to them was worse. It would have been better to just physically fall over dead. But they became separated from God. Listen, when it comes to the word death, everybody say death. In the human experience, death does not mean the cessation of life. Death means separation. Death means separation. Death means separation. Three types of death are unique to the human experience. Number one, spiritual death. Every person born into human's family and into the human family at the point or the age of accountability. When is that? I don't know. It's, for some, it could be five, six, seven, eight others. I don't know. I know Breland. When Breland was about four years old, we lived over on 32nd Street. She got up on my belly one night and I started talking to her about Jesus. And I said, Brian, would you like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now? And she looked at me and said, yes. So at age four, Breland understood what we were talking about. She was raised sitting on the front row of conferences and crusades from the time she was a little bitty baby. And while she was in her, while she was in her mother's womb, I mean, she, I remember one time, we were sitting next to somebody, who, uh, Ivy Hilliard and his wife. We were sitting next to the Hilliards, and, and Leah had this medallion like that, and it was sitting up, up on top of Breland. And, and I forget who was, oh, Creflo Dollar was preaching that night and Breland was just jumping. And that metal was just doing this. And Sister Hilliard looked over there and she just started laughing and laughing and laughing. Breland was raised in that, amen. For others, I was six. I heard a message preached at age six. My Sunday school teacher, Letha Groover, explained what I'm talking to you about right now. That every person is born into a fallen family. It's not your personal family. It's the human family. And every person must be born again. And I understood that. And I walked up the aisle as a six-year-old child and gave my heart to Jesus Christ that morning. Amen? So God expects us to get this information, recognize and realize that because of the sin of one man, death, separation from God took place. Now, because of separation from God, the dying process began. The dying process results in physical death. Have you ever noticed how hard we fight physical death? Man, we got University of Texas Medical Branch. You go up into Houston, you got MD Anderson, you got St. Luke's, you got Methodist Hospital, you got research hospitals. Man, I'm telling you, there are hospitals all over this nation. And I'm telling you, you can be in a car accident and there's nothing left to you but a bucket of goo. But your heart is still beating. Boom, boom. Boom, and they'll hook you to every million-dollar machine they can just to get one more tick of your heart. You say, why? Well, there's just something in humanity that fights physical death. That's why we have doctors and nurses and the pharmacy, pharmaceutical industry and all. You say, why? Well, because mankind, ever since that day, has fought it and fought it and fought it. 
But a person that is spiritually dead, that dies physically, goes to a place of eternal separation from God. Amen? And we don't want that for anybody. That's why we have Island Church. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we have Mission Sunday. That's why we have Fall Harvest Conference. That's why we do everything we do because we don't want one person to go to a place of eternal separation from God. Now let's look at it real quick. I've got a couple of minutes. Go to chapter 3. Everybody say, I was created to have dominion. Say, I was created to have authority. Thank you, Jesus. You gave me back my dominion and my authority. Isn't that good? Now notice this, verse three, chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now let me ask you a question, Island Church. Is that what God said? That's not what God said. God said, in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. That word surely in the Hebrew means absolutely without question. In dying, you shall die. This word, this word uh, least you die, means I'm not sure. I don't know. Now notice, there's some principles here we must understand if we can, so that we can understand the way the devil operates. Now notice what he does. First of all, the serpent, he took an altered form. He came illegally. See, there's a legal way to come onto this planet. Does anybody know? The legal way is birth. You can't come any other way. If you come any other way, Jesus said in John chapter 10, He said, if you come any other way, you're a thief and a liar. Who's He talking about? He's talking about the serpent. He's talking about Satan. So He takes an altar. Listen, Satan's not going to show up at your door in a red pajama suit <laughs> with horns and a pitchfork. Amen. If someone does, it's probably Halloween. He's going to take an altered form. I said he's going to take an altered form. I mean, I've watched news programs and turn them off because that's the devil talking. I've heard politicians speak, and I've thought, that's the devil talking. I've seen entertainers speak, and I've thought, that's the devil talking. I've seen all types of communication take place, and it's easy to figure out, that's the devil talking. You say, why? Because their, their words are embalmed with unrighteousness and death. It ain't hard to figure it out. He takes an altered form, and then he goes to the woman. Everybody say the woman. He obviously usurped spiritual authority. God put the man in charge and set the woman as a helpmeet. Amen. All the husbands said, Husbands, you better guard your wife. I said, Husbands, you better guard your wife. She is a finer vessel. The makeup of her soul is like fine china. The most expensive, uh, exquisite china that one could buy from the most expensive store. That's your wife's makeup. But you're like Tupperware. I'm telling you, there's stuff that'll just bounce off of you, bounce off of you, bounce off of you. But if your wife has to endure it, it'll chip her away till she's nothing. A man's, ooh, I don't know if I get to start the car on this one. 
A man's spirituality is reflected in the mental health of his wife. You take an old boy that says, I don't care, I'd rather go fishing, I'd rather go. And then mama carries a Bible and prays and spends all her time on on her knees and and she has to do all she can do to fight off depression and and fight the devil off and pray for the children and and pray for her old knuckleheaded husband and, and keep interceding and praying. That chips away and chips away and chips away. But thank God for the church. Thank God for mercy. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for prayer partners. Come on, church. Man, you're responsible to be the covering over your wife and not to let snakes slither up and begin to talk to them. Oh, we might teach that in our marriage seminar this year. Amen. Now notice what he said. And he said unto the woman. Now he's engaging her in a spiritual conversation. Now let me just say this, church. Not every spiritual conversation is a good one. People that challenge your faith, that challenge the baptism in the Holy Ghost, that challenge the power of God, especially if you allow them to continually talk to you and talk, they will talk you out of the glory of God. They will talk you out of the righteousness of God. They will talk you out of the blessings. You need to listen to me. I'm your pastor this morning. I'm trying to help you. They'll talk you out of it. Hath God said, challenging the word of God. Hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. The woman said, under the serpent, we may eat of ever the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you should not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now notice verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Anybody know what that is? Say it again. Say it again. Satan's, listen, Satan's ultimate purpose is to set you up for a lie. Let me say that again. Satan's ultimate purpose is to bombard your mind and bombard your mind and bombard your mind and question the word and question the word and bombard your mind and get you into a position that when you when he speaks a lie to your mind, you believe it. I've heard people, I've, I've heard people leave this church, go out other places, not even go to church anymore, and say things like, those people don't love me. That's a lie. My goodness, we do everything we can do to help people around here. We do everything we can do to bless people around here. Not only that, all over the world. That's a lie. You've fallen for a lie. I've heard people say, well, that healing doctrine, that works for some, but they don't work for us. That's a lie. It works for anybody that will believe it. Yeah, that prosperity message, that's just that preacher trying to get your money. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. Yeah, they're just trying to build a big church over there so everybody think they're famous or rich. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's all. The enemy does everything he can do to try to present you with a lie because if he can hook you with a lie, he'll control you the rest of your life. Amen? Now notice verse 5. For God doth know in the day ye eat thereof, your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now here's the next thing he takes it to, the next level he takes it. God knows that if you eat the tree, you're going to be just like God. So what God's purpose in creating you is, and what God's purpose is to have a pet. He just wants a pet. He don't want a child. He wants a pet. So what he's really done is he's created you with all this potential, but he's trying to hold you back. That's what he's saying. I'm telling you, you can't listen to the devil. 
Don't entertain his thoughts. That's why we're teaching on the authority of the believer because 90% of all of your authority is going to be used to bind the devil and keep him from speaking to your mind. Where you begin over and over to say, no, devil, I'm not listening to that. No, devil, I'm not listening. Get out of my mind in the name of Jesus. Stay out of my mind in Jesus' name. I set a guard around my mind in the name of Jesus. That's where, that's where your authority really works. Now notice this. Then the woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, a tree to desire to make one wise, and she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now my deal is this. Adam, what are you doing? I'm not mad at Eve. I'm not mad at the woman. You say, why? Adam was given that dominion. He was given that authority. Sure, it was shared, but he was put in the preeminent position. And he sat there and watched that stinking rat, the devil, run this thing down to his woman, and he let it happen. Now notice. Notice this. She saw. Everybody say saw. And then it says, uh, uh, it was pleasant to the eyes. The ultimate design of your adversary. This is why you must understand your authority. This is why you must understand your dominion. The ultimate design of your adversary is to get you out of the spirit and into the flesh where you judge everything by what you see, hear, taste, smell, or touch. You say, well, that's reality, preacher. You're just talking about living some out here in the world, you know, uh, your head in the clouds. And, and No, I'm not. I'm talking about living by faith. Living by the Word of God, no matter what your eyes tell you, no matter what your ears tell you, no matter what your flesh tells you, no matter what your smell tells you, no matter what anything tells you, you take the Word of God above it all. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hold, hold on, almost through. got two minutes. It says the eyes of them both were open. No, 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 no. The eyes were shut and then open. You say, what do you mean? They had spiritual eyes open, physical eyes doing what they were supposed to do. They submitted to a lie and disobeyed the commandment of God. Spiritual eyes shut. Physical eyes became the preeminent sight. The eyes of them both were open. Now notice this. And they knew they were naked. Now they looked at each other and thought, something's missing. The word naked there means uncovered. They lost their covering. They lost their glory. They lost their righteousness. They lost their sanctification. They lost whatever it was that God had built into them that was coming out of them, that was clothing them in the glory of God as they walked around in the garden, as they existed with God, as they fellowshiped with Him. They lost it. They lost it. What a sad, what a sad scripture. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Instead of being covered by the Creator, now they're covered by creation. And man is in that same position today. Instead of being covered by the Creator, it's covered with creation. But the good news is you can get born again and you can get your clothes back. I said you can get your clothes back. You can be clothed again from the inside out. You can be clothed with the righteousness of God in Christ. And I'm telling you, He'll custom fit it on you. Well, we'll get into that later. Verse 8. This is the saddest verse in the Bible. I don't know any verse more sad than this verse. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves 
from the presence of the Lord. Lord God, amongst the trees of the garden. And then the next, the, these, two, these two verses. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Could you hear that? Now, now I've heard people say, Well, God knew what they did. No, he didn't. He had left the earth for the man and given the man the commandment. Now, I don't know if you've ever lost a child. Uh, the only thing that even close to it, and it wasn't that bad, Lee and I one time, uh, Breland and one of her friends, we were at a, 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 a movie up in the, uh, in, uh, uh, up on the mainland. And, and her and her little friend were sitting up in front of us. And all of a sudden, I looked up there, and they were gone. Remember that? And I said, Leah, where's Breland? And she said, I don't know. And so all of a sudden, you know how your heart just drops. You know, I mean, our hearts just dropped. And we took off out of there. And Leah went in the woman's bathroom. And I ran all around that place. And I went out in the parking lot. I went all around, all around, all around. I mean, we looked and looked and looked. And I guarantee you, we were panicked. Breland, where are you? Where are you? Can you imagine? We see it on the news all the time. The tears of the parents looking for their children. Where's my child? Where's my child? Amen. We, got, we came back and sat down there. Breland and her friend were sitting right in front of us. A little scamp. But for about five minutes, we were in a panic. Now, this is God. Can you see this? Where is my creation? Where's my man? Where's my woman? Where are you? Every time I come down in the cool of the day, you're there to meet me. You're there to worship me. I walk with you. I talk with you. Where are you? Where are you? Could you imagine what the father must have thought? Notice their response. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Where in the world did fear come from? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from that snake. All of a sudden, this is the first nature of Satan we see in God's creation. Fear. That's why Satan loves to try to get you into fear. That's why you've got to fight fear with every grain of your being. You've got to rise up in the Word of God. You've got to build your faith up. You've got to make declarations of faith. You've got to get on your knees and pray. You've got to come to church. You've got to live for God. You've got to live righteous because the enemy knows if I can get them into fear, I can destroy them. I can keep them under my foot. I can do anything I want to them if I can keep them in fear. I was afraid. I heard your voice. Thank God we can still hear his voice. It says, because I was naked or uncovered, and I hid myself. He said, who told thee thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. Now, I'm going to tell you, you think, you think that just happened? That's, that, that is the preeminent attitude of the entire planet. It ain't my fault. I didn't ask for no woman. I was kind of looking over at that elephant. <laughs> Amen. That ostrich was looking pretty good, you know. I didn't ask for no. Now, in reality, what he was saying was this. The woman that... How many people blame God today? How many people are God blamers? Oh, God, if you and I had me born in Galveston, I could have really made something of myself. 
Come on, church. No, 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 no. That's, that, listen, that's part of the fallen human nature that God wants you to walk in spiritual authority over and dominion. We don't need to be victims. We're more than conquerors. Last verse. Last verse. Now, they begin to talk about the serpent, all that kind of stuff. But I want to go down to verse 15. Verse 15. We'll close with this. He said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Let me read it in the Amplified. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise and tread your head underfoot, and you will lie in wait and bruise his heel. That term in the King James, you shall bruise his head, that's, a, that's an Arabic term that means take the authority away from. Which shows us right there that that dominion and that authority that Adam and the woman possessed in the garden just got transferred to Satan. And that Satan now had the authority and the dominion that mankind was made to walk in. But then the Bible says, thank God for redemption. This is the first redemptive scripture in the Bible. God said, I'm going to take the seed of the woman. Not the seed of man. Why? Seed of man's tainted now. Seed of man reproduces after its own kind, the law of Genesis. Seed of man is going to produce every time a fallen being. But one day, I'm going to take the seed of the woman and I'm going to mix it with my word. Anybody know his name? He's going to take away the authority of. Now, I'm going to tell you something, church. Satan is not the same devil he was after that incident in the garden. He's not the same devil he was in Moses' day, Abraham's day, David's day, Hezekiah's day, Ezekiel's day, Elijah and Elisha's day. He's not the same devil. You say, why? Because now he is a defeated, overcome. The Bible says Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. He triumphed them over them in it. But just like you were included in what Adam did, and it has affected your life, you've also been included in what Christ has done, and it should affect your life. And when you suffered under the bondage of the fall, you ought to rejoice in the liberty that the gospel produces in your life. So here we are, new creatures in Christ. One third of you has tasted the full cup of redemption. Your spirit man, the Bible says, is sealed, and the evil one touches his not. But then you got flesh and you got soul. But I've got good news for you. God has left his spirit, put it in you, put it upon you. He's given us his word. He's given us the fivefold ministry. He's given us the church. He's given us assignments. He's given us blessings. He watches over his word to perform it. And there's no reason we, as God's people, should not continually keep the heel on the head of our adversary and demonstrate his defeat with the authority that God has given us in Christ. Amen. Amen. Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you. Lord, we thank you for these redemptive truths, the authority of the believer. We're more than conquerors. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the earth. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www islandchurchgalveston.com You can contact us by phone at 
770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.